<laughs> Rachel, welcome yep. to the to the podcast, and thank you for doing this. This could actually be a first for skating podcasts. Thanks for having me. This is going to be – I'm excited. Um, yeah, this might be the first time a skate engineer has been on a <laughs> podcast ever. So Sweet. this is a big deal. And, and thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. We'll try and, um, we'll try and get through everything. Um, just to set it up, the, we're talking to a skate engineer, not a – not a salesperson or a marketing person, or some questions were almost like <laughs> directed yeah. as if you were K two for the last <laughs> twenty years. Like I know, <laughs> that's okay. We'll get through them. Okay, so you're the ex engineer for K two Skate, mm-hmm. and that's I right. know I know you um, through Mike Powell. I think a couple of years ago he introduced me to you through through email and i found out you guys were are you were working on new skate stuff and then it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of gone from there so yep. um you are not k2 yourself you're an engineer from yes K2. pass pass engineer pass engineer <laughs> um yeah so okay and, and one thing i want to get out of the way is is um i hear p- people say that k2 has come back quote unquote K2 skate has come back when K2 has always made an aggressive skate, I think, every year since the they made the first aggressive skate. So I just want to get that out of the way that there's no, like, it's that, yeah. it's that the skates have been improved, but I mean, there's been an aggressive skate every year. So um, right. I, I would say to that, though, it's that we have concentrated our time on cross-training and fitness and haven't invested too much time in aggressive. So, you know, the past few years we have. So I guess we, you know, it's more innovation, more new stuff. But yeah, we've done aggressive skates every year, you know, sometimes high profile, sometimes not. Yeah, the the stuff that's been done in the last two years has been amazing. Um, I'm Thank really you. excited for the 2017 stuff to come out. Um, and before we get to the first question, is there anything mm-hmm. you want to say about like your your history or anything with with k2 or anything Um, set it it up yeah sure um i've been i was at k2 for 11 years um i started out in snowshoes and then moved to skates about uh say end of 2010 so everything you hate from then on that's my fault (laughs) um everything prior to that though I have some history and knowledge about, but um, that one, those things you can't blame me for. Um, yes, so you know I've been there ten years and um, eleven years, and I felt like it was time for me to move on to a new career. You know what? And I, I wasn't gonna retire there. You know what's hard for um, a lot of people to understand is like, you know, oh, isn't it a passion job? And it kind of is, but it's also. Uh, profession you know it's a it's a job it's a profession it's what we are good at but you know a lot of us don't plan to retire there so yeah I think we can go ahead with the questions okay excellent well we'll just get this one out of the way first because it was asked by like three or four different people and again (laughs) you're you're not k2 personally the the h-block thing People, mm-hmm. people are so passionate about 
K2 uh, suing over the H block way before your time. So do you know anything about that? Um, I mean, I've heard about it. Do you know, actually know when the last time they got sued or when the last time someone tried to use it? No, as far as I know, I heard that the patent is it's open right now. And so right. um, and I, I'm pretty sure that's true. You know, we as as a person who owns a bunch of patents, you know, it it's um, the whole point of patents is for your innovation and idea to get out there. But, you know, if you want to do something similar, like I would always just read through the patent and design around it, you know, and that's what patents were invented to do, you know, for people to be innovative and designed around. And, you know, people always complain about that. You know, I'd say like, just call up K2 and find out if it's okay to use, you know, and I've done that personally a couple of times for other products. Um, you know, so I don't really understand what the big deal is. If people think that there's value in it, you know, and they feel like they want to use it, like, just ask. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, and I know a lot of people are unhappy about the suing and so on, but, you know, back in the day, it was cutthroat business. Um, less so now, but I think, yeah, people just need to get over it, <laughs> if it's at all possible. <laughs> yeah, it was like... Um... It, it was the ground control thing. It was um, it was the the first one of the first skater owned quote unquote companies through mm-hmm. Razors, and they they made like the first UFS frame, and it had an H block, and that people um, people are still upset about that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think it's it was maybe 14 years ago. Um, it was a good frame design too, um, but I, I yeah. It's it's a long time ago and and let's make new stuff with H blocks and then the other yeah. there was one about soft boot too and Solomon there was one and um yeah I wasn't sure what the Solomon thing was referring to well soft boot so we had the soft boot patent for for the seventeen years and I think I actually found out through one of my factories that it ran out I'm like oh okay you know so other can people can build it. Um, you know, again, and actually, if you read the patent, it's only for inline skates, I believe. So th- there have been a other bunch of companies that have been using that soft boot build on ice skates. Nothing we could do about it. Um, so, you know, I'd say like people just read through the patent and I feel like there's always a way to design around it. I think that's a really good answer. So that's why we've seen soft boot skates from power slide and and rollerblade this year specifically i don't probably yeah probably it yeah. seems like it um okay first set of questions from alex john coleman um All right. one what was your involvement with inline skating prior to working at k2 uh, essentially nothing you know i was a figure skater in high school i like everybody else kind of skated recreationally as a kid but no i mean you know i did college in product development and that's what i wanted to do um and you know designing and manufacturing was what i specialized in so really nothing was skating you know i i kind of um 
dug deep in it and then found myself like really appreciating all the skaters who are out there um you know and like learning through the through the process but no prior involvement prior to k2 and you were uh you said snowshoes before yeah skates and did you know much of the skate department when you worked in snowshoes i can't i know i never got to see no. how big that building was no uh we kind of did i know someone else asked a question too but um all the engineers well not all but most of the engineers kind of specialized what they what they did um you know so skis would do skis snowboarding would do snowboarding eventually you know some people would move from product to product but when you are in a product you likely just did that product. So it was a brand new world when you came. It was, yeah. And it was scary. I mean, you know, it's like every time you start a new job, you had no clue, you know, what was going on, no clue who your customers were, Um, you know. And for me, it helped the most, like, trying to meet end users. Yeah. And (laughs) you found out pretty quickly that it's a passionate uh, opinionated, mild, exactly. mildly intense group of individuals all across the world. Yep. <laughs> um, did you test other skates uh, from different companies prior to designing the new K2 models? Uh, seldom. I would. Um, we look at skates. You know, I sometimes would buy it off the shelf. Sometimes I'm too cheap to buy it. You know, I'd kind of just take a look at it in the store and like, you know figure out how it's made um you know once in a while we would i would buy a pair and cut it up just to see how um you know how it was manufactured to understand its build but not too often if there's something new and interesting you know like the three wheelers i you know i had to try right to see for myself if i believed in it um but for the most part no no i wouldn't test other skates too much i honestly believe in um the soft boot build and how we build our skates that we do build a good comfortable skate and that's what um you know versus other like hard boot skates where it's a lot of it is about support um for us it's you know for k2 it was a lot of comfort so you know this i didn't feel like i put on another skate and want to take it off immediately (laughs) (laughs) So, we, yeah, I won't ask you who that who that was. <laughs> um, uh, next question: What is the biggest design flaw that you see in modern skates? Mm, if this is not, I'm guessing this might not be targeted to aggressive skates, but um, easy on, easy off to me is a big deal. Like for the longest time, we're trying to figure out how to get it on easy get it off easy you know we have the boa system which is great um but i feel like the that's kind of like a slight barrier to entry you know when you when you see um stores do demos you know the hoverboards the scooters get a lot of people because people can just pop in and out um you know of trying of testing those things but um you know and so there's some effort it takes to try on a pair of skates and I think, you know, if we can kind of break through that, um, that would be that would be awesome. You know, the other thing is would be brakes. 
I mean, brick technology, I feel like has been pretty stagnant in a while. And, um, you know, everything that comes up from that is okay, but nothing revolutionary. Yeah, Rollerblade just brought back their old brake system. ABT, yeah, I saw that. Um, I don't know if it's the right thing, but at least it's it's an attempt at something. And Yeah, um, it, it works. So, you know, I'm actually happy they brought it back because it works and it works well. Um, I, I feel like obviously the design can be improved on. But, you know, it's a step closer. I think what makes skating hard for a lot of people is um, the fear, you know, the, the fear of trying something new and the fear of falling, you know, and ha- being able to have a brick that you can depend on that doesn't rely too much on skill, at least in the beginning, is really key. Yeah, skating is um, dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks easy, but when you put them on... Um, it, it feels even just hopping off of a curb or going down a slight incline for someone who doesn't know how to do it is super right. dangerous. And people also freak out, um, when they can't get their buckle undone and they think they're going to, their foot's going to be trapped in the skate <laughs> They're going to be stuck in there. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, um, Midtown design with the two straps is really mm-hmm. good. I think easy in, easy out. That's a nice design in my mind. Yeah. And Velcro and laces, you know, everybody knows how to use that. So it doesn't seem intimidating. Yeah. And, um, oh, the Soto has it too, kind of. Yeah. 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 Soto's good for easy on, as long as everybody can understand how to use that. The new. Exactly. Right. And there's a slight learning curve to it. And, you know, how I designed the soda is I, I wanted to give people options, you know, options to use long laces, short laces, two straps or three straps. Um, may might have given the customer too many options, then they won't know what to do. But I don't know. I hope people figure it out. Yeah, it's it's a pretty easy buckle to figure out. And that came from the pinnacle. It's called the pinnacle buckle. It's from the ski boot. Yeah, it's from. The, yeah, it's on the K one of the K2 ski boots. Um, and is there any plans? I get. Oh no, you can't say anything about 2018. But I would love. Well, to... I don't. I don't actually know. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that buckle would be really good on an aggressive skate. But that's uh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I think. Um, I know I had sent a pair to Rich Parker to try on to put on his aggressive skates. Um. You know, so this that's what I love. That's what I love about people trying, like, mix and, ma- mix and matching. Um, and I think he was able to get it on. He might have had to, like, shave off a little bit of the plastic on the, uh, on the shelf a little bit. Um, but I think he was able to get it on, on that. Ah, are there and, yeah. aftermarket of those? Uh, yeah, I, well, that was intent. I know I made a bunch of kits for to sell that buckle alone. Um, you know, honestly, what makes like the aftermarket difficult, you know, together with like sole plates and all, is very often shops don't order it. So you know, we have it available, we made it, but access to it somehow is always difficult and i don't know uh, that's kind of like beyond my scope i just know how to make those things i 
I have a joke that the two times in the past decade where I really needed replacement soul plates, they weren't available in North America or possibly the world for yeah. one time for a pair of Shadows and one time for a pair of M12s. So replacement soul plates are a great idea, but yeah, stocking sometimes. <laughs> right, and it's problem. by size, and that's what makes it difficult. You know, so what's a store going to buy? You know, three of every size? Yeah, that's uh, so hard to predict. Yeah, and... You know, I'd say if anyone did want soul plates, like email customer service at the manufacturers, any brand, you know, not not just K2. Um, you know, very often, like, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure, like, the R&D department might have um, stuff in stock, you know, just because they have it. It might not be, like, the red or the black that you want, but, you know, the soul plate will it'll still work. Yeah, how many... Um- Varsity plates are in existence at this point in time. <laughs> I don't know, not too, not too many. I mean, well, actually, hard to say because it's been around for a long time. Um, Since 2010, been, or more, maybe. More, I think more before that because that tool is pretty old. Um, so you know, tens of thousands. But I don't think that many people replace it. Like, we don't get a ton of orders on the replacement parts for those. No, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some non-K2 skate products that you think are doing it right? Um, I think, well, obviously, like, Leon's Wizard Frames. I'm a huge fan. Um. You know, I think those are well done. You know, it's like kind of the full package. You know, it's not just the the product, but it's also marketing and selling the product. I think he's doing an awesome job. Um, I actually also like the wheels that the Go Project guys are doing, Jake. Um, you know, like full profile wheels just makes so much sense. And, it, you know, for me, it it took a lot of arguing with the other teams, you know, tr- to try to bring back full profile wheels because, like, it made sense, you know, from the very beginning. Like, when I started skating, you know, um, more at K2, I always use the El Capos mostly because of the wheels. You know, they're nice and round and, like, balance really well. You didn't have to worry. I feel like, you know, over the years, people have been trying to shave. Like, when you have less material, you have less cost. You know, and all the different profiles started coming in. And, you know, a a narrower tapered wheel would cost less, um, but it wasn't nearly as fun to ride on. So I'm kind of psyched that, you know, um, more and more skate and wheel companies are bringing back that full profile, full profile wheel. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. And the, the Soto has it's not as fat as the il capo wheel but it's fatter yeah it's not yeah it's not as round as the el capo um but it's definitely rounder than some of than our cross training and then the cross training skates how did you find that profile again how did i f- uh well we had it existing on our capos forever oh you know what no um the first time I came into contact with it was, 
hyper wheel. So hyper has their oh, I should know this, but I don't. Um, hyper has a full profile eighty millimeter wheel that I have. Oh, the G, G or no? I can't remember. Some, I know what you're talking. Something like about. that. Yeah. It's a something yeah. like that. Um, and you know, and I we had those wheels on our cap, um, our capos, and like I really enjoyed them, you know. So we're trying to like we started with that and then tried to go big, um, you know. I I actually know some skate, and those wheels were amazing. Like the rebound and all were great, you know. I actually know people who shaved them down to get sixty millimeter wheels out of those. Those were really good wheels. I had the red Il Capos. Um, oh, hyper con- uh, concrete. Is that what they're yes. called? Yes. Yes. Hyper concrete G. Yeah. Not the G plus. The no. G. <laughs> <laughs> there is a G plus. Um, I don't know if people like actually know the difference, but not the plus, but the G. Yeah. It, but for the hundred millimeter, that was a hyper. Hyper had a wheel with a fatter profile like that. Then. No. Um, that one, no, Hyper didn't. Hyper didn't. Um, that was another tool that I think we dug out from our wheel manufacturer um, that no one was using. Amazing. And now it's on the Soto. Yep. I enjoy that wheel. I like it. Um, yeah, that's a good answer about the full profile wheels, fat profile wheels. Um, okay, number five. This is the last question from Alex. This is a, always a hard one to answer, but top. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a list ready? Top five skaters. I do. Um, oh, sweet. So, I think the Yasutoko brothers are great. Um, you know, like the, like Takashi just was at the in um, British inline what championships yeah yeah and like you know he he's always been amazing um you know so both Eito and Takashi are great and you know what I love is what they're trying to do for the sport you know so it's not just about them it's not just them skating you know but they have their G skate park they have their school programs you know to get young kids into into the sport I think that's great um Dave, obviously, Dave Lang, um, I think is amazing. Uh, Joe Atkinson, I think he is like young and talented. Um, you know, I hope he goes far with it. I don't know, you know, what the path is, but super talented kid. Those are kind of like aggressive skaters. Um, Eddie Metzger, he's a racer. Um, you know, and I had the opportunity to like go to skate camp with him last year, last year, year before, um, you know, he does like ton of races and it's kind of impressive. Like, I don't know, he's in his maybe mid forties and still like winning, winning races. So that's pretty great. Um, you know, I don't think it's all about, it's always has to be aggressive and vert and park and ramp. You know, but our speed skaters, those guys need some love too. And how many is that? Uh, that's four. That's, 
That's four. Oh, yes, the brothers don't count as two. Okay, that's right. That counts as two. That's a solid list. And uh, does Eddie still skate for K2? Or No, um, he, I think he skated for K2 a long, long time ago. Okay. Um, you know, and like we, you know, when I was at K2, I was still in contact with him, um, you know, just to try out stuff and test stuff for us because he puts in like, a hundred click a day like that you know when he's training for races hundred click a day like easy so you know for him to go through boots and wheels it, it goes through fast that and he had stuff to do with twin cam way back when i think he still does i believe he still does and we'll get to bearings later. I have yeah. one person who I'm wondering if if he got sent skates from K2 after his uh, film came out was slow mo. Is <laughs> he's almost like a K2 rider? In yeah, some way. I believe. I want to say Mike Mike Powell met met up with him. Um, I think he did actually. But I don't know what the standing contract is, is <laughs> if there is even one. I, I have no clue. I, that was just such a great uh, exposure for yeah, K2. Yeah, that was, that was a great documentary too, though. <laughs> yeah. he, he might be in my top five. Yeah, that was a solid list. Okay, now we're on to Greg Tut. He's got four questions here. Um, how did the growth and decline in the aggressive inline skating industry play into the engineering and design process? Uh, you know, I don't think a ton, really. Like, our engineering and design really is based on priority of sales, you know, so where the money is, we spend more time doing, um, you know, and... So I don't know if the growth and the we I don't think we paid a ton of attention to the growth and decline. Um, you know, for better or for worse. <laughs> but it was it was mostly, you know, I like specifically for aggressive, you know, I kind of felt like I sat at my desk one day, I'd be like, you know, what's fun to what's what in skating is entertaining. You know, there's nothing fun about watching people skate around a lake you know i guess you know the, then the speed skating um and then you know this vert and ramp and i'm like all right i'm gonna do something there <laughs> just, yeah that's how it was <laughs> that's good that it just came down to what's interesting to me right what's entertainment value <laughs> <laughs> um okay number two how did your budget compared to other departments while you worked at K2? I don't know if you can answer that one or not. Yeah, well, I'd say, like, my budget engineering-wise was pretty healthy. Um, you know, we didn't get a ton of manpower, but, it, you know, tooling-wise, like, we, we were pretty healthy. I wouldn't, wouldn't have complained. There was never a time where we couldn't do projects because we didn't really have the capital. Or maybe we just planned it really well. You know, it could it could just be that. So we planned it really well, so we always had money to do all the projects that we wanted. Um, you know, but I don't know what other departments get to do a fair comparison. Okay. 
That's a good answer, too. <laughs> um, number three, how did K2 perceive the industry in terms of where it's headed and potential for lucrative business? Ooh, I feel like this is kind of a sales question. Um, I think before I left, I know there was a push for skates because they see potential in growth. Um, specifically when the winter years are bad. You know, fortunately for K2, you know, like we're having an awesome winter this year. Um, but, you know, the past two, three years when winter wasn't great, like, um, you know, skate was kind of holding our ground of, you know, of business. Um, So I think, I think a company is aware, you know, they're aware that there's a ton of potential. I mean, we do pretty, we do pretty well in Europe. Um, You know, not like in North America, I think, I still think there's that stigma with skating. Um, But in Europe, like, you know, you go there and you see people skating, all the time and you know and their skate nights are pretty awesome like those those are those are fun fun events to do oh i want to experience one of those you should do it totally it is bizarre the north america thing and who knows it it could it could change but that's also interesting that um i mean skiing is it's such a short part of the year and skates you can use such a large part of the year and you it's not dependent on weather you put them well, on and go yeah well except if it rains so that's when it's hardest for us i think last year maybe we struggled a little bit because there was no snow but then it was warm enough so it just rained so you know no snow is not great but then rain also sucks yeah that actually brings up a whole other thing we won't get into but in terms of spaces to skate that are dry and safe yeah Mm -hmm. really important yep um number four can you do a soul grind nope and i'm totally okay with that (laughs) (laughs) i am too (laughs) you 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 know what it looks like and uh, you you've worked with people who know how to soul grind. You've talked to people, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, and you know, I always say like people ask like, "Oh, are you a skater?" And I'm like, "I can skate, but I won't call skating my thing." <laughs> you know, I use it as cardio, but you know, like every mechanical engineer that works on an airplane is not a pilot, right? So, um, you know, they don't pay us to go out skating. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if they did. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Mike D820 um, asks, while you worked at K2, what was the sentiment? Uh, what was their sentiment towards aggressive skating? Was that a priority or were they like aggressive skating, whatever? <laughs> um, it was a priority when it needed to be. You know, again, like I said, we you know, well, we spent a lot of time on what made money, um, which was mostly fitness. Um, but again, you know, when it came time to make, make new product for aggressive, like we did it. Um, and I, I feel like with, it was important because, you know, our aggressive skaters are the most passionate 
um, customer base in auto skating. So, you know, it was, it was nice to have something new and um, exciting for all those people that really liked all the old K2 aggressive skates back in the day. I hear so much about it. People keep talking about it. So it was it was nice to do something for them. Yeah, definitely. There, I mean, from the varsity to what's coming out in 2017 is a pretty insane uh, turnaround and a pretty insane amount of changes. Um, and then, I like, I'm trying to think of what you fixed, like, every little thing that was complained about. But we'll get into those with future questions. I yep. keep wondering, like, what are the what what might they complain about now in the new <laughs> skate? They'll find something, and that's okay. I, it'll probably uh, just be, why aren't the souls replaceable? Yeah, I'll leave it to the next person to deal with. <laughs> um, okay, Filthy Esquire asks, are you guys ever going to... This is, again, like you are K2, we're asking you. Yeah. Are you guys ever going to pay a blader to represent K2? I don't know. This is a marketing question. I wish they would, you know, and I have been pushing names across over to them. I'm like, this guy, no, this guy, no, this girl. But um, I wish they did. I don't honestly, that's not within my realm to, to know for sure. And you saw Dave throw down on Christmas Day? Mm-hmm. That was exciting. It was great to see. And actually, um, NBCSN has been replaying um, that footage, uh, that hour and a half footage. Because, like, my friends and I were at some restaurant, and you know, they were having it on TV, and they, it was, it wasn't Christmas, you know. So they've been replaying it, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, so I, I'm excited that it's getting TV time. I think that helps, you know, people start remembering, oh, you know, there's that sport that I did as a child and, you know, they get reminded of it. So that's a good thing. I think that that's a positive. Sometimes um, being at a skate park, you'll get the reaction, wow, people still do this or Mm -hmm. in, in a good way, in a positive way, or there's kids who have just never seen it before, ever. Right, right. Like to me, and even, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, not even just in the skate park, but, you know, in Seattle, like on Alki, you, you know, Alki Beach, kind of like a little boardwalk. And, you know, you go skate there and people be like, oh, yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that in the air, too, which I, I think yeah. is a good thing. People want to be fit and go mm-hmm. outside and do things. They just they don't want to break their wrist or anything right. like that. Um, right. Okay, so there's another H-Block question. M-Media Lab. Oh, another H-Block. We already we already um, addressed the H-Block. Two H-Blocks, yeah. Um, is Ben Weiss dead? I can answer that. Ben Weiss is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have an answer for that. Mm-mm, nope, not, not one that's different. <laughs> um do you remember a pro model for Ron Copeland being in development? I think that's before your yeah. time. That was the mm-hmm. ne- nemesis and transfer era. Okay. okay. Um, a question from me about the those um, are those molds and everything, or what happens to things like that, like the, the those skates, the build of them and everything? They're well, just... if 
Yeah, from tools, very often we keep them just because we own them. We don't usually throw stuff away. Um, but when it gets into cold storage, sometimes it's hard to bring back out. And sometimes the quality of the tool is not great anymore. Other times, um, we actually convert tools. So, you know, if I can morph one tool into another tool, like um, this 2017, we're going to have the longer 298 aggressive frame. That actually started out as a 258 frame. And fortunately, when we built the tool, we built it long enough. Um, the, you know, the tool itself was long enough to cut out an extra um, 40 millimeters out of, out of it to make a longer tool. So sometimes we do transform our old tools into new stuff. Um, yeah, it's kind of, oh, you know, we keep it. And sometimes we try to pick it back up, you know, shoot a couple extra pieces and see if it's actually usable. Very cool. Thank you for making those longer frames. And um, <laughs> the big-footed people will be thanking you. I know. Yeah, it was. Too. it's strange. Like, for the longest time, you know, when you have a size 13 and, like, the frame was tiny and I did not understand it. But hopefully that's fixed now. Yeah, having a frame that small in a boot that big is almost enforcing bad technique and style and making the sport less fun. So hopefully, right. yeah. And and those both sizes will be available aftermarket. I believe so. Yeah, aftermarket, and then I, um, the size ten and so ten and up will get the two ninety eight. So two ninety eight, yeah, and then um, nine and a half and down will have the two fifty eight. Ah, so amazing! There was a picture floating around of like an old K two fatty that was like mm. a size thirteen, with with the toe <laughs> overhanging the wheel like by a few inches. I know, yeah, <laughs> such a joke, but. Um. Okay, from Della Troop, we have. Please make a new, this is just a comment, kind of. Please make a new <laughs> K2 skate that looks like the original Fatties, please and thanks. You know what? To these guys who want stuff, I'd say, like, email email the brands with any brand. You know, email the brands, customer service and marketing. They love to hear from their customers. So, yeah, go do that. <laughs> That's probably how um, Powell, Powell's probably sick of getting long emails from me. Yeah. After a certain <laughs> time, it's like, here, there's, Rachel's working on new stuff. Here, talk to her. Yeah, I know. He was probably pretty happy to just hand you off. Oh, it probably wasn't just me. Like, I'm sure he got, like, I don't know, 10 emails like that per month. Just long K2. Yeah, and, you know, while he was there, he was awesome. Like, he would be my filter. You know, so I will get some, but not all. And he he filtered them out for me, and that was made made life a lot easier. I'm sure both of you now post K two like every once in a while, just take a deep breath, like oh yeah, we do. <laughs> I, it, I do. Well, it it it's a very um seems like a very intense and busy company to work for. It's busy. Um, I think we try to do too much, you know, in a given time span. 
Um, you know, and I would be traveling to Asia and back to Europe and back. So it was, it was kind of intense for a long time. So it must be nice to have extra time. Yeah. Well, not and just not being like in the air or jet lagged, you know, when you, when I go to Asia, I hop on a plane and get there at 6am in the morning and then go straight to the factory. You'd be up and not lying down for easy 40 hours um you know and that that was a normal start of a trip end of a trip type thing and then i would come back and like sleep for two days oh (laughs) traveling's brutal how often did you get sick um i would get for me it's kind of like if my if my trip was more than two weeks, I was definitely going to get sick. And I knew it. it was like clockwork. You know, if it was like two weeks or under, I'd be good. Um, but when I hit three or four weeks, you know, I was always ready to with, you know, all my NyQuil, DayQuil to kind of get me through it. <laughs> Just a haze. Yeah. Um, and for the record, um, Rachel could probably kick all of our asses. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, it's true. You practice. Uh, is it martial arts and boxing, or? Yeah, I do jujitsu and boxing. Um, I did Muay Thai for a while, but it messed up my stance in boxing. Um, so I kind of just have dedicated my time to jujitsu and boxing. Um competitive you know try to so try to always be um ready to compete you know so skating was great it was my cardio because i've shredded knees my knees are you know not gonna handle running so skating was great because you know it kind of gave me the cardio without having to having to pound on my knees yeah, skating's amazing for that. That's still I I tried running for a while and it was so boring compared to skating. Mhm. And um, you get through fast too. You know, you can push the pace if you want it. Yeah. Definitely. What were there any uh comments online? This is a question for me now. Any comments online that in, that inspired you to punch or choke anybody out at any point <laughs> about skate design? <laughs> oh, more than I like to admit. Okay. <laughs> Okay, you don't have to specify. Maybe maybe that'll come up as we keep doing questions. Yeah, they're just uh, they're just so many haters out there. And I mean, people that I get to know personally, they're awesome. All of every one of you like has been great. But then all the anonymous people has been like it's kind of yeah, like you said, you know, they think that engineering is all okay too and like we make all the decisions and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. They can criticize all they want. I, I I take a lot of it with a grain of salt, but I try to be informed and read it because, you know, a lot of people do make sense. Um, it's just like the few angry people, um, you know, sometimes I, I have uh, a dosage that I can handle before I be like, okay, enough for today. <laughs> yeah, and... And the people who do have um, like good constructive criticism to say or whatever, like 
you took all of that and you mm-hmm. you applied it to the next gen of skates like from 2016 to 2017 so it's like i it's important for people to know the things that they say people are listening and reading so don't just yeah. say dumb stuff try and think about what you're saying and i don't know be constructive yeah because it goes a longer way in the end yep um okay next one um 24 writes will k2 come out with a replaceable soul model my guess is no but i would say that the midtown and uptown boots those have the um spb base that would take a soul plate so if you can find soul plates you can use those i i've been seeing a couple of people um on social media that have been using those two models of soul plates so i'm pretty psyched that they did you know because when we decided to take it off and you know not have it on aggressive skates anymore so that people are lower to the ground um that was kind of a difficult decision but i think overall the better decision so you know there are other models out there that can take on a soul plate um so i i, I still think the options are out there yeah and is the is the tool that makes the varsity plates in storage now no well we're still making stuff Okay. For warranty and uh, not warranty, um, for aftermarket. Excellent, because yeah, I I put the Varsity Soul Plate on the Uptown, and mm-hmm. it actually, even though the ride height was more, it still worked really nice with that boot. So I mean, the option is there, and if you look at skates like uh, Seba or V13 or Volo, everything is a boot on sole, like most of right. those have extra ride height and yeah i think for the people who haven't tried the newer k2 skates the the ride height is really nice and low on the newer sole right and that and that's a goal you know you want to be as low to the ground biggest wheel possible for the lowest height stance possible does that make sense yeah right and, yeah and, and some fat profile wheels Mm-hmm. although exactly. people are people are experimenting with all kinds of profiles now so that which was, is awesome though that's like that's it's good it's good it's good for the industry for people to try try and experiment yeah there's really no right style of wheel size or profile or frame length or rocker it's a really good mm-hmm. time right now for skating for people yeah. trying a whole bunch of stuff i agree um okay mikey g lynch asks pros and cons of ankle buckle and strap i think you kind of went into that but if you want to say anything more on that you can um the ankle buckle and straps it's the one okay if it's the strap that i'm thinking of which is the one that goes across the, the front of the um the ankle um I'd say if your skate does a good job of sucking your heel into the heel pocket, you could probably do away with that. But that's not... The way... The variation in feet make that kind of difficult. Um, You know, so having a strap over the... 
over the foot is very key to sucking it in. Um, you know, however, if you have a strap placed in the wrong location, then you feel pressure points. Um, you know, it's somewhat a sensitive area. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I see more pros and cons. It just has to be well placed. And then, um, what about straps for the the top part, like um, attached to the cuff at the top? Yeah, like, I think you mean. Do you mean the collar or the cuff? Like oh, that's right. So there's the collar is the very top strap, correct? Right. So yeah, the collar would be on the boot itself, right? On the lining lining equivalent of of it. You know, the cuff would be um, the plastic part where you yeah. get a lot of structure and support. Yeah. Um, yeah. The that little tiny strap on the on the collar does way more than people think, and Sometimes the, the the stiffness of the skate that people are feeling is you mm. just gotta adjust that one a little right. bit. Right. Or I'd say if you don't like it, cut it off. Yeah. You know, do that. If you too. don't use it, you know, don't have to keep it on. Just because it's there doesn't mean you have to use it. Um, I would say like for the type of skating that you and Todd do, just because you have bigger wheels and higher off the ground, you would want that higher support. You know, if you were skating on 55 millimeter wheels, you probably won't want it. Yeah. So it just depends on, you know, your skating style and um, the type of skating you do. Yeah, I've been saying for people asking about 2017, and if you're going to be just doing grinding stuff, grinder blading, then get the front street. But if you're thinking mm-hmm. of using, using the setup for big wheels and grinding, then get the unnatural. Yeah, because um, it, it rides really well with uh, Wizards and and the R100. So sweet. Yeah, it makes yeah. me smile to hear you say that. <laughs> I, I was wondering though about that collar strap because that originally came from um, this. That would have been on the Soul Slide way back when, correct? Yes. And um, yes, was that? Does Rich prefer that for Vert, or that was just something that you adopted from older K2 skates? Um, it was a mixture of both. I try not to make decision design decisions based on one opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, holy but shit. we have a graphic artist at K2 who is, you know, an aggressive skater. And he was the first one that came up to me and be like, yo, you should put a strap on the collar. You know, and I kind of just like looked at what's been done and tried it out, you know, and yeah, that's how that's kind of how we ended up with it. It it works amazing for big wheels. It's it's mm-hmm. weird how when you do that thing up tight, the power that you get from that point on your shin down when you lean forward, it's really bizarre how it steers the skates. It's kind of hard to explain until you've tried it. <laughs> and you've heard it from Rachel. If you don't like it, cut it off. Yep. Um, okay, now we're going into the Nate Hurst question period of the okay. podcast. <laughs> It's like a whole bunch of... Okay, do you want to do that first, or do you want to do, like, the Instagram questions? Oh, okay, do you want to... Let's do... Um, I think those were all Instagram, and now we can go down to Facebook, and then we can end with Nate Oh, Hurst. okay, okay. So, do you want me to go into the... We'll, we'll end on Nate Hurst, I guess? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, from Jamie Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, when can I get my hands on the larger ski-style frames... 
that they are bringing out 110 UFS frames for public sale. Uh, weird English there. Also, no. have, have you yeah. ever thought of releasing an aggressive st skate with just straps rather than with a buckle and cuff? I think he's talking about the R100 in the first question. Yeah, so the R100, um, I know I made a bunch of them last year, so just check out your stores. It should be there. Um, with the one, no, we're not doing a 110 right now. Um, but I would say, I think I sent Jacob Bonds a pair of these R100s, and I believe he was able to squeeze 105s into them. Yes. He'll have to confirm it, but um, yeah, you know, 105 fits because it's spaced out enough for a rocker. Um, so, you know, there's enough. So the gap between wheel to wheel might be a little tight, but once you skate on it for a little bit, you know, your wheels will wear down and like, you'll be fine. Yeah, there's, a, I think, just a rocker pattern that would work with the 105. And. Mm -hmm. I think MPC is the only company that makes a 105, as far as okay. I know. Unless there's mm -hmm. others, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. That's exciting, though. I, there's a lot of people asking about those frames. And some places kind of have them on a pre-sale or pre-order. Oh, yeah. Um, but okay. the date keeps changing. So I think that's, it's yeah, the I spring. Yeah, I um, spring is that coming out or you we don't know I should have been the same time uh, when I left we were in the production process so I you know if there were any delays I couldn't speak to it um, and that I, I tried really hard to break them or bend them but I I don't know if I am heavy enough so. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I know we had someone that asked a question about testing, and we can go into that a little okay. bit later. Cool. Yeah. And then um, the aggressive skate with just straps? Yeah. Right. Um, again, we made a kit for 2017 for Velcro as well. So, you know, the Front Street and Naturals have screws on the cuff straps on the plastic straps if you don't like those change it out um you know make your own right i mean you know go to a craft store and get some leather and velcro not too difficult i like it <laughs> um andreas lar lar force hopefully i said that right <laughs> When there's the two little dots over the A in Lar Force, what is that? How am I supposed I to? Do? Okay. Don't know. Uh, what are the biggest? What are the biggest limitations to you as an engineer in designing inline skates? Uh, materials, standards like UFS, accounting for differences in customers' feet, etc. Yeah, I'd say costs. You know, very often. You know, I'll tell the sales and marketing, yeah, we can build it. You know, it's just if you want to sell it for the right price. Um, there's a lot of things that that is out there in terms of manufacturing capability. It's, you know, just that fancier things cost more and people want it for nothing. 
So that's always been the difficulty. Um, Design-wise, uh, you, you you know this, but UFS has been a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, for size 9, it's kind of okay. But for everything else, it sucks. Um, you know, and yeah, we've thrown around with an idea of uh, UFS 2.0. And I hope someone does it. You know, it's... Um, there are a bunch of, you know, the, yeah, with the 165s to 180s, 195s, I feel like the 15 millimeter increments gives people a ton of opportunities. So I really hope someone does it. Um, the nice thing about UFS, though, is there's some standard and, um, ooh, what's the word? Just regularity. You know, that everybody can just make it to this standard and then it will fit, you know, mix and match. But even though the it's supposed to be 165, but you see when you go and look at frames, that aftermarket frames, you can see it's never a circle. It's always an oval, you know, because some people have it 162, some people will have it 166. Like, it's very seldom straight 165 i don't know why um you know we try to i made ours like 165 and then an oval shape for a little bit of play so that it fits onto other boots yeah um yeah i would love to see ufs 2.0 i hope it i hope it happens and and with uh the aeon being popular mm-hmm. it kind of proved that it's possible because people were buying skates that weren't even UFS, which I think wasn't the greatest move. I understand why they did it for one piece, but yeah, um, I like the idea of people having a big wheel setup and a grinding setup and switching. Yeah, yep. Or even like if it was one ninety five, you could you could get like a riser and put speed skate frames, couldn't you? Like you in, could um, actually those exist today. Like you can get a, a spacer and kind of just like stick it in there. Um, I know people that just make stuff, you know, out of wood and put it in there. That's awesome that people just make stuff and and do it. I wonder if that guy was asking about the one ten frames as the um, there's that picture of that that newer. K2 speed skate and then there's a there's a four wheel frame and a three wheel frame. Oh maybe he thought um, that one of those was UFS, I'm not sure. No, that has the standard one ninety five and one eighty that's on most race skates. And that's not that's just showing that there's two different frames. It's not like a package that you buy where you get both frames. It's just showing that the boot uses either or. Yes. Okay, makes sense. Um, there's a follow-up question, which you kind of answered. What was the attitude toward rollerblading within the K2 company? Was each department inline snow? He says bike. I don't know if there is bike. I don't think there is. Segregated. We had bike. Oh, yeah, you had um, – what company was it? Special? No, not special. No. I don't – someone, license, someone yeah. licenses it, I think. I don't know who does it, but – so, I'm actually not sure if they still make it. Um, was each department segregated from each other, or did you all work together? And what was the attitude to rollerblading within the K2 company? 
Yeah, you know, I'd say, like, skating probably wasn't the sexiest product that K2 makes, you know, (laughs) but we were very profitable. We were, you know, we held down the fort when, you know, Snow wasn't cooperating. So, you know, I'd say it's it. It's it's strong. Um, And a lot of it goes to sales in Europe. So when they do well, it's a win for us. Um, in terms of department engineering-wise, like I said, like most of the engineers specialize in what they do. So very, very few cross-functional engineering roles. I would say, though, like during brainstorming sessions, we would sometimes bring in um, a, a random group and kind of, it, it's good to see, um, you know, good to hear opinions from someone that's not so close to the sport because there'd be a lot of things you would have never thought of. So we would do that. We would do that once in a while as well. That's cool. Knowing that there was some cross pollination of ideas there. Yeah. Um, and did you ever accidentally refer it to it as rollerblading within the building? Me? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't talk to anybody who uses the term rollerblading in front of me in the building. <laughs> I, yeah. I just don't respond. Inline skating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was that was probably a big deal like a, in the early days of K2 um, to refer yeah, to. Yeah, it's just like, you know, to FedEx something over or, you know, like, yeah, I'm... What if it's not your brand? You get over. It. You remember quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, next question from Jacob Barnes. As an engineer and an employee of the parent <laughs> companies of K2, first Jardin and then Newell, what were the greatest obstacles you had to overcome in designing and producing better skates? Um, I don't think. I think we. I was at least too far removed from Jardin and Newell, like. When I was there, we had a whole bunch of, not a whole bunch, but we had a handful of parent companies. And honestly, I don't think it really trickles down to any of to any of the engineers. Maybe just things like expense reports it does, you know, but in terms of engineering or design, really that doesn't um, affect us at all. You know, again, you know, it would be manpower, not having enough of that or wanting to do too much in a period of time. Um, you know, I wish we had more engineers, but, you know, for skate specifically, but we did not at that time. Um, and, you know, sometimes um, you had interesting ideas, but the market just wasn't ready for it. You know, I remember doing a fly knit type skate, fly knit construction type skate um, three years ago, and no one was ready for that, you know, but now you see it all over the place, and I'm like, oh, we could have been first. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm over it, kind of. Not really. <laughs> uh, I like that, that you're still passionate and that you're going to follow. You're going to follow skating to a a certain degree. Yeah, I am. I am. (laughs) You can't help it. 
I know, right? Like, I feel like, okay, I'm done. I can move on. But, you know, I still have all the skate feeds on my Instagram. And I'm like, oh, what's everyone doing? That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and was there uh, more skate engineers in the earlier days? Or was it always one person? There were more. There were definitely more in the earlier days. Um, you know, in our Seattle Global Headquarters... It's just one. Sometimes you get help from somebody else, you know, maybe one and a half. Um, yeah, but, you know, for a long time, I was global engineering team. Um, kind of a one-man team. Holy, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but, you know, we we have our graphic designers as well. We have, you know, our planners. Um, we do have help on the manufacturing side with um, with our K2 Korea office. We have an office in K2, I'm sorry, in Korea. And, you know, that's from when we used to build skates in Korea back in the day. And we've retained some of them. Um, they would help out um, when, it, when it came to manufacturing or tooling, which was, you know, like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have done it without them because I you know when if we had a problem they'd be on the next flight out you know to try to figure out what the issue was um, yeah so but you know in terms of what we had in Seattle it was a very lean team thank so you when, yeah <laughs> thank you for doing all that hard work so like sometimes when you have someone on like the forum who like bitches about you know the product and all it's it's really targeted because you know it's kind of just you <laughs> there's no one else to push blame on to <laughs> yeah you mean you're not <laughs> you are k2 just right. you mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um okay david morong asks why don't skate companies use different molds width-wise like they do in hockey skates. Yep. Um, he said, I could easily answer this one for myself. I'm just interested if they even consider these options. We have um, just one is kind of the issue. <laughs> um, it's just, it boils down to volume. You know, it, it's as simple as that. You kind of have to, um, even for, you know, really big um large size skates, you know, 14s and 15s. I believe Rollerblade has a model to fit that, you know, but again, the volume is so low that we kind of just have to figure out pros and cons, you know, where we want to, you know, spend our money. So, you know, you kind of do a cost-benefit analysis and it usually didn't make sense for us to do. However, I would say that... Um, the nice thing about soft boot is that the skates are pretty moldable, you know, so even when things are kind of snug in the beginning, they usually stretch out. I mean, I guess if you're a double E, um, it might be a stretch, but the, yeah, you know, just, just kind of like the sole pleats when you can't make enough, it doesn't make sense to do. Definitely. That's why I, I squeeze into a eight and a half. I take out the footbed, 
Predator. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it depends. It, uh, um, I'm trying to be more open to wearing my actual size, but um, okay, we'll see. Because <laughs> right. that would be, uh, and lots of people were asking. Um, just over the years about K2 sizing, I can't remember, if, uh, is it true half sizes still? Like, yes. That's yeah. awesome. So um, our half sizes increase in three millimeter increments. So when we build half sizes, we use um, a half size last in three millimeter increments. Yeah, full size is six, half size is three. Yep. We do. Yeah, when you get a good fit on a K2 skate, especially for aggressives, they're comfortable and they fit mm -hmm. really well. Even though I do squeeze my foot into technically two sizes smaller. So people out there, if you want to do that, you can. But um, it's not for everybody. Yeah. To squeeze into a small. Because I'm in a size bigger now on the carbon skates and I haven't uh, lost a toenail. Good. That might be why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Juan, Juan Raul asks, from her perspective, can the inline skate technology be improved to function better? And if she could make a perfect boot, what would she do? K2 is pretty darn close in my view. Oh, I would try to combine like ski boot tech into our skates you know, um, we've got, and you know, this is why, like, if we had more cross functionality, it would be great. Um, you know, because we have, we have the guys who built the cage ski boots and the full tilt ski boots who do an amazing job. Um, you know, and being able to, to cross pollinate that knowledge, I think will be good. And, um, yeah, so, you know, but again, we uh, we don't really have a hard boot at this point. I, you know, again, something I tried to push for, and I hope they do. You know, I feel like there's a place in the market for it. Um, you know, it's a sandbox that K2 Skate doesn't play in right now. Um, so yeah, I I hope that something that they do again, like you know, comfort support fit, is kind of like the cornerstone of what soft boot is and being able to combine that, um, being able to combine like those, that ski boot liner technology with what skates can do, I think will be great. Oh, that would be so exciting. Mm -hmm. People listening yeah. are probably like, what, what would the first <laughs> K2 liner be like for skates? Yeah. And you know what? Like we we are in a position not well not we, but like K2 Skate is in a position, you know, being having a sister ski company, you know, and you see like the cross between skate and ski, like I wish we did more of it, you know, and again not in the position to push a ton of that, but it just makes so much sense from technology to the marketing to your athletes. You know that it it makes so much sense. Yeah, it does to me too. It, it just it, well, it feels like it's. I, I always think of it as they're like there's a bridge being built, but currently mm -hmm. it's like um, there's a pretty big gap, and they still have to keep building towards each other. 
Because yeah. it's not exactly the same thing, but it seems closer these days than it ever has been. Right. Uh, um, skis are too weird for skaters sometimes, and skates are too weird for skiers. But a little bit of influence from both could go a long way. I think things like the Nitro World Games and the Wizard Frame, things like that start to build closer towards it. Yeah, and I remember Heffy has this edit out with it, which is like ski and skate. Oh, you know when he cuts over from um, edit to edit, and you know that to me is like you can kind of see him do like similar body movement. Yeah, Um, and I thought that was great. That edit was amazing. I always think if if um, it's possible, like if Nitro had uh, qualifiers. And there was technology that skiers could um, use their ski boots and be on longer frames. The aggressive inline community would be really up in arms about it, but they could just clean up at that event. I know. (laughs) Oh my God. I, you know, I wish, you know, Nitro, like when they, when they showed the first, um, the first airing, the live airing in July, you know, they said like it was like open trials and whatnot. And then the second airing, which was inline and scooters, was scooters was invite only too, right? Uh, I think so. That's a good yeah. question, actually. And Maybe. that like kind of shattered shattered me because like there are so many people out there who are so talented. And you guys have talked through this on your other podcasts before. You know, um, I would have loved to see a true open invite for to qualify open qualifiers. You know, I would have. I, like when the moment I heard like Nitro was doing like this Mega Ram games, I was like, okay, how can I like tweak this, you know, skate design? Like you no longer need, you know, um, a sole surface, right? You want long frames, low to the ground, stable. All these ideas were just brewing, and then they picked a few skaters. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm totally on the same page as you. It was weird yeah. that people were actually had sole plates on their skates, but I guess it's just not there yet. It's cool that Nitro will be happening again next year, and maybe maybe we'll get closer. I hope so. I hope so too. Um, are you still good for questions, or do you yeah. take a break or anything? Um, I'm good. Okay. Um, Benjamin Kenobi asks, if she was there back in the day, talk to her about the customs they made for their riders. Uh, no, how far back in the day, ref- how far does back in the day refer to? He's probably talking late 90s when yeah, they were no. printing. The People were getting custom prints on the soft boot, custom embroidery on the tongues. But you have done some customs here and there. Yeah, well, yeah, late 90s, I was still in high school. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I mean, we've made customs for a couple of people. Um, you know, if it's aesthetics, honestly, like, those kind of things are pretty easy to do. Um, so I don't know what kind of answer um, Benjamin is looking for. Um, I think if... If skating was to ever explode and you guys did have a team, you could probably do some pretty crazy stuff in terms of yeah. materials printed for the soft boot and embroidery and colors and all that. Right. Um, you did you even 
make like I know there's a hole in the back of the skate. Was there going to be a little stabilizing spoiler thing like the transfer nemesis? Yeah, we thought about it. Actually, you bring up a good point, and then I kind of forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I created that hole so that I could put in a strut, um, you know, to to prevent rotation. And then I made a few. I made a few pieces in carbon for a couple guys, and then uh, they haven't broken it yet and then they haven't asked for more and i forgot <laughs> oops <laughs> and um i yes, think that hole is still there <laughs> yeah it is still there so people could maybe make custom ones um mm-hmm. one of the changes on on the base is there's like a there's notches that almost stop the cuff from going back that's new or was that on older skates i can't remember that was on 16 too yeah yeah. But it wasn't um, in any K2s previous to that. No, it wasn't. I don't know why. It didn't make sense. But um, I can understand, like, in racing where, you know, how people are trying to extend their leg and cross over the finish line. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, leg and calf go back. But in an aggressive, you are pretty straight or forward leaning. Um, so I don't, Yeah. I think some people think that that make makes the skate too stiff, but I don't think that's what makes the skate too stiff at all. And in fact, a it's lot of people <laughs> no, it's not. And and uh, I think um, a lot of people broke cuffs back way back when because yeah. the cuff twisted. All there's some like old skate photos where it almost looks like the cuff is gonna break. Um, yeah, no, and I've seen I've seen broken cuffs. We still get stuff back from warranty from the early 2000s. You'd be surprised, like, what people send back. <laughs> That'd be um, so interesting to see, like, a photo album. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I probably, in my w- old work computer, I probably have a whole folder of old, like, warranty photos. Um, you know, but I'll send them a new a new cuff, and then you just fit it on, and it'll work fine. That's awesome. I didn't even know that people did that, really, that they would send in old stuff and get new cuffs. Um, yeah, well, we, yeah, I mean, we try to help our skaters, you know. Like, we want them to keep rolling. Um, sometimes we are able to help them out, sometimes not. But if we can, you know, I would customer service would, like, send me a request. And, you know, we'd try to fulfill that. Very cool. Hopefully, the customer service isn't just like rushed with requests after this podcast. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, Jonathan Costello. This is more of a comment than anything. I don't know who this is, but he says the Tinker Hatfield of skates. She did a killer job. I don't. Who's Tinker Hatfield? A designer? I, I don't know. Okay. Hatfield and capital capital H show. Um, it's a compliment though. So good work. Thank you. Um, Louis Payne or Louis Payne asks, is it possible for regular plebs like us to get a hold of badass custom K2s like yours, Joey? Um, as in the blacked out rubber and liner. Um, the new ones are Whoosh. blacked out. I, I think yeah. people were going 
people kept asking me when I got a pair of unnaturals that were blacked out in the toe and they really wanted them, but both. Did, hmm. oh. Did you paint yours? I know yeah. Todd painted his, right? Yeah, we both <laughs> painted them. And then there was a set, a couple sets that I got that actually had the toe blacked out and they were, they were still 2016 but with a blacked out toe. Cause it was the uh, I newer material. I was just using, yeah, newer or scrap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Thank what you. I just just what we had in the sample room to build it with. There we go. It's not it's not <laughs> custom. It's scrap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the 2017 unnatural has a blacked out toe, and yes. the front street is what color? The gum sole. Gum sole. Gum sole. Gum yep. sole. Yeah, those look really good. Sweet. Um, those are kudos to our designers. Hey guys, they did a good job. Yeah, both of them look really good. Um, I saw pictures of Ollie from Roex in his. They look really good in photos and video. I know, that made me so happy. I was psyched about it. I mean, you know, I have a ton of respect for Ollie and, you know, Andy and people, all those guys who, like, are the face of the company, their companies in engineering. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of gives me chills to see to see them trying out the skates that we build. Yeah, it, it was cool. I didn't um, – because I guess Flying Eagle doesn't have an aggressive skate, so it was cool to see him choosing those. And, uh, yeah, for everybody who – um, tried the unnatural and thought maybe it was too high or too <laughs> stiff. This is the one for you. If you're going to be just doing grinding, it's definitely feels like older K2. And it yeah, really I think, good. yeah, the, the front streets are great. And one of the mistakes I made last year was the, my group of skaters that I had test skates were maybe too high level. You know, I kind of, forget that you know there are there's a whole group of skaters that don't go skating you know that much and don't have time to break into skates and you know so that was that was something on my part that I neglected to you know um keep an eye on so the yeah so hopefully like people are psyched about the 2017 ones yeah I hope so too that I'm going to be driven insane if if um, people get them and think that, <laughs> especially the front street, if they think it's too stiff. It's like you have to, 15 minutes isn't enough time. Yeah. <laughs> and sloppy skates can be very dangerous. But that's a good point, that there's all different types of, of skaters. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I no offense is taken if you don't like skates at you know, I've designed, like, there are a ton of other brands, and that's what they're there for. You know, you pick what works best for you. And, you know, it's kind of nice to see all the other new brands, you know, whether it's Frame or Wheels or, you know, just other smaller brands coming up because that validates what we do. Yeah. Over the past couple of years, um, it's it, it almost feels like, is, is skating bigger than we think or... Um... There's so many new things coming up, but I think it's just an energy around skating right now. That's exciting. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, okay. Next we have 
um, from Billy the Feet. What is the likelihood that they will create frames like these in the future? And it's the picture of the big block frames. We've created it. We've just <laughs> not sold it. <laughs> yeah. And that I'm in the low percentage that isn't, uh, that thinks those things should come out as they are. But that's, that's a whole other discussion about frame mounting and everything. I don't know how much you want to go into that or. Yeah. Well, you know, we try stuff out if I can validate if it's something worth building, you know, I, I, I need to be able to provide like sales and marketing and my bosses, you know, why this is the next greatest thing. Um, so but that one was kind of hard to convince them just based on like you know and they're like oh how many would you sell and i'm like i don't know you know wasn't a good enough answer for them uh. so we'll see i mean i think if we see like you know the new wish frames and um ground control has their mega frames like, i think the more we see like the bigger wheel and larger age box frames um you know me maybe KT will find a place for that in the market. A lot of people want that frame, but maybe just <laughs> on a small level. That more people yeah. ask me. About. I don't know. It would be awesome if we could just. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It it could just be a very specific group of people, but a lot of people ask about that frame and when it's coming out and why it's not coming out. But it could just be not a lot of people. <laughs> If we like got a list of people that wanted it, you know, and like we just made a limited edition, you know, or like a limited run, um, I think that would be cool. But yeah, it's not something that <laughs> I will be part of. I think it should have came on the unnatural with sixty-five millimeter wheels, but that's just me. That that if the unnatural had a different frame, but I guess. Mm -hmm. That gets a little bit more confusing because then you'd have two sizes of frames on the front street and then only one yeah. size of frame. So I can see that. Sometimes the messaging is difficult. I wish we just sold boot and frame separately and like pick your boot, pick your frame, pick your wheel, pick your bearing. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish we did that. Yeah. Because even uh, if there was a version of the unnatural that came with R100, that works too, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, okay, second question. Are there plans to increase the negative space on the K2 aggressive boots? Uh, I feel like you can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> you did increase the negative. A little bit. Um, not a ton. Not like some of the negatives that were in the old what transfer skates from back in the day <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> those were huge <laughs> i yeah i i was surprised at how many people had comments about the negative space on the 2016 skates and yeah. i remember todd and i talking to you and i think we were joking about the negative space but it is an important part for some people so, mm -hmm. it, so it is increased by, you can see if, if you look at the skates, you can see the line. There's like a new 
mold line or at least yeah yeah you'll be yeah there is you know and the thing is that um i think one of the reasons why it wasn't bigger to begin with it was i kind of just took the the surface area from the actual sole plate and just matched it you know and i didn't have enough intel to tell me that that negative was already too small um so that's how it started out and then for 2017 um i made it a little bit wider on the inside yeah and um i don't know how many people that were testing the skates were huge negative grinders so that's yeah that's the other issue yeah (laughs) and uh i was really happy that I was a huge fan, even though the varsity plate rode higher because it was already mm-hmm. on top of another plate. I loved the the shape and feel of it. So I love that that it's just pretty much the varsity plate shape. Yeah, yeah, that was yep. Lower to the ground, and it slides like butter still, which is exciting. Great. Um, Bonnie Holla, see, I'm butchering all these names. Um, <laughs> He's asking, can you please go back to K2? <laughs> Not in the near future, but we'll see. I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> you got like um you got like 5 years worth of changes done to or maybe in aggressive skating years like 10 to <laughs> 10 years worth of changes done in 2 years. So, you don't have to go back if you don't want to. <laughs> okay (laughs) next question from christopher harold constant can the boot be taken off the sole plate i mean unmount but you still have the spoiler attached i'm kind of confused by that one but you can take a stab at it i think he means like if the boot can be removed from the base from the plastic completely um, I have seen guys do that. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant to, like, tell people how to, like, butcher it up just in case <laughs> um, it's a liability issue. But uh, I've seen a couple people do it. Um, you know, the boots, the boot portion of it is attached with rivets, um, screws, and glue to the base. So, um, just think about how you might remove glue from two surfaces and drill out rivets and you might be able to get it off. And Rachel's not liable for anything. Yeah, do it, do it at your own risk. Yes. (laughs) Um, Kieran Holden asks, uh, what path do I take to get to become an engineer at K2. I'm an aerospace engineer currently. Dude, just apply. I believe there are open spots and open positions. Um, send your resume and, you know, show interest. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, get involved, like, maybe through social media and marketing. I don't know. Um, but I feel like... It's not a, I don't know, maybe I lucked out and, you know, got a position, like, out of college with them. But I'd say just apply. Check out check out the careers page at K2. Excellent. 
Um, Ran West, oh, that was the soft boot, Solomon. We already went through that. Yeah. Uh, Ollie Martinho, any plans for a pro model? Um, Marketing uh, question. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but like K2 did a really good job of not giving anybody a pro model in the 90s and just made really good products. And then when they did make pro models, I think they sat in the warehouse for a longer period of time. Um, but it was also when skating was starting to downturn a little bit. But I remember, yeah, Shrine and Lennon skates both uh, were carryover, I think, for a couple of years. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, you, you need to sell a fair amount of volume to make it worthwhile. Um, also, I think with a pro model, you kind of design to one person. And I don't actually think that that might be the right approach. Um, you know, because not everybody skates like X, right? If you do, that skate's going to be awesome for you. But if you don't, then you're going to have a shitty ride. Yeah, I agree. Do you know anything about, um, this would have been before your time, but there was uh, a Ben Weiss pro model and a Yasutoko pro model and they only there was demo pairs floating around but nothing actually got produced um did you ever hear about those or know about those i've seen those and i actually sent Ato. we were cleaning when we just we moved um offices last year and i sent Ato the one of the skates that i found in our storage area um so I don't I didn't know that I actually never went in production because I know he when I when I I met met up with him at an ASA tour stop in Seattle um, last year or year before and you know he remembered those skates and said how he liked them a lot um, they, those were heavy like heavy heavy and. You know, he when he first tried out skates, he was like, "Oh, these are too light. Maybe a little bit too light." You know, because they need the weight to whip them around when they spin. So I actually made like weighted insoles for him. Um, you know, just to try it out and see see if it worked. Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't know if those ever went in production. Maybe they didn't. But we had we had a couple of those floating around. Yeah, that's um, maybe someone know someone might know better than I do. There, every once in a while, there's like a pair that comes up for sale, and I wonder if it's just um, like the salespeople in different areas around the world had some. But it's that's really funny. Like, hey, here's a here's a sample of your pro skate that never came out. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that works. And um. In retrospect, like the the transfer and the Nemesis, they're they're still really good skates. They were just huge. They were giant mm -hmm. and heavy. Yep. But uh, everybody who talks about them really loved them. So that's still, I guess, the K two way of making a quality product, even if it has the largest soul and negative <laughs> on the market. <laughs> I know it's funny they even advertise that. That's kind of like. Uh... <laughs> Skate design took a turn, like even Solomon, they made their giant ping pong paddle wide yeah. body and then just kind of, yeah, skate design took a turn for the weird in that, in that area. Um, 
Philip Martinez, just a comment. Tell them to make a One Piece K2. We did, didn't we? <laughs> you did. And then, and then it was UFF. too soon for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, there's the history goes that UFS was one of, or sorry, K2 was one of the last to get on board with UFS. And then when they did, K2 maybe didn't sell as many skates. And now <laughs> yeah. Aeon, Aeon uses K2. Now someone else does it. <laughs> and everybody thinks that it's some brand new thing when, in fact, the fatty and the style points and the King yeah. 55. Oh, um, I missed one about the, the King 55. So Jason Calva asks, why was the King 55 the only endoskeleton aggressive skate? It seemed like a really popular <sighs> model, yet it was it never, was. never yeah. improved upon or made again. I don't know why. I definitely would say that when um, the redesign for the aggressive and fun street were, d- were done, like I had that skate on my desk, you know, just sitting in front of me together with a few others. Um, but yeah, it was w- really well built. You know, back then I believe that skate was made in Korea. I could be wrong, but. You know the, sh- the the manufacturing and shoe technology in Korea back then were amazing, and we've yeah, you know I we've always toyed around with the idea of doing another endoskeleton type skate, and you know oh I know why I was going to talk about this. Um, Quan's question about uh, skate wait no um, about making skate boots look like. Uh, no, can inline skate technology be improved? Yeah. You know, and I talked about like the ski boot stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it'll be great. I mean, I'm just like imagining, right? Like a ski boot liner, a great liner with like an internal cuff, you know, an endoskeleton and a nice base. Like that would be a sweet looking thing. Um, and I, I think it can be done. I hope someone does it. Um, you know, for us, I think for me, kind of using the same cuff, I know a lot of people felt like it looked dated and whatnot, but it was kind of like the easiest path to the goal line without too many experiments. Um, we don't have, I mean, the, with the people that we currently have, uh, that, it's a lot of how the King 55 was built is all tribal knowledge. So, you know, and we have, we don't have very many of those left to be able to like cut up and figure out how it was built. Um, yeah, but you know, I, yeah, just combining like ski boot stuff, ski boot liner stuff and this like the endoskate, endoskeleton, I think that would be kick ass. Yeah, I agree. Are there any ski boot, designs at k2 that have kind of like plastic stiffeners or anything like that um i think oh there is one i don't think it's a ski boot i think it's a snowboard boot um that has like a plastic tongue you know or to give it some structure yeah um but it can be implemented pretty easily yeah um yeah i had King 55s is one of my favorite pair of K2s. And then also my 
uh, OG remedies, the like mm-hmm. very, very early remedies also mm-hmm. had a similar kind of um, internal stiff yeah. cuff structure. And then also the, if you've ever looked at the Seba tricks cuff, it's yeah. like that triangle with like a stiff. I, that, that one is an amazing design. Like I, I love that design. Yeah, Leon's a big fan of that one too, and I had a pair, but it wasn't the right size. But I've heard once that skate breaks in, that 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 cuff is is just works really really well. Yeah, and it's minimal. It's lightweight. Like it's it's material where it needs to be. Um, yeah, I you know kudos to those guys there. Uh, that was great great design. I think it was inspired by the King Fifty Five and Remedies, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> King 55 was just so ahead of its time. So if you, anybody who has King 55, send them to uh, K2 to take (laughs) apart and deconstruct. (laughs) And um, some people actually have been taking their cuffs off their unnatural and um, and front street. And they actually ride pretty well with, with the cuff off. I mean, over time they would get sloppier, but um, then you put the cuff back on. Yeah. And, and a recent guy, uh, Mike, who got a pair of front streets, said they feel a lot like King 55s because of the Sweet. the stiff boot. Um, now, are you still good to go through yeah. the Nate Hurst? We'll, we'll try and this, get, get through it here. Okay, this might have to be like a two-part podcast when you <laughs> release it, just so that people don't have to sit through such a long thing. I eat. I don't know. I don't know if you kill me for this, but sometimes I listen to your podcast in like two times speed. <laughs> so I get through it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a lot of people say they're too long and we've never. Uh, yeah, we just keep them the same length. Trust me, people yeah. listen to the whole thing. It might not be everybody. I just speed it up so it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listen. This is Rachel uh, podcast tips and tricks. <laughs> Listen at two times speed. Um, okay. Nate Hurse. Um, I couldn't be more stoked to hear from her. Be careful what you ask for. Here's a bunch of detailed questions from another mechanical design engineer. Yeah. Um, I wonder why it's coming from another person, but oh well. From another? Like from another mechanical. Oh, oh no, geez. it's him. Yeah. Him. He's a fellow, he's a right, fellow engineer. It. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, Approximately, how much does it cost to produce a mold for a frame, a cuff, a sole plate, a hard boot? Is that an answer or non-answer? Do we skip that one? Um, I'd say it's standard. You know, I don't think I don't think there's anything secretive about it. You know, it really like price of a tool is really dependent on its complexity, right? So if it's a fancy tool like a cuff where you need sliders, um, you know, it's more three-dimensional. Um, there's more curvature to it. Those generally be more expensive. You know, something easy or pretty cheap, a couple thousand dollars would be like a soap plate. You know, because that, you know, it's like, you think about it, it's, the part is pretty flat and the tool just opens and closes. You know, so a cuff would be more expensive. You know, in terms of, like he mentions, see, cuff frame, soap plate, you know, sole plate would be the easiest, followed by frame, followed by cuff. Um, we don't currently build a hard boot, but those hard boot tools are generally 
um, going to be more expensive because of the complexity and three-dimensionality, all the curves um, in that in that shell. And that's where uh, Power Slide, man, they try a lot of stuff. I don't know how mm-hmm. they, they they've had so many different kinds of boots and frames and cuffs and sole plates since. And good for them. It's insanity. Yeah. They try everything. It's a lot of work, you know, but if they have the manpower to do it, hey, why not? Definitely. Um, approximately what quantity of parts can be made from a mold before it must be retired? It, um, it... Generally, molds are guaranteed for 100,000 shot, uh, 100, shots. So, you know, depending on what it is or how many... Um, yeah, 100,000, you know, 50,000 pairs, that's about the lifespan of a tool. Very often we would, you know, pay to maintain a tool, which would extend its life. Um, yeah. Excellent. Um, does K2 have its own injection molding factory or is it always shopping around? And what country does it happen in? Um, we, K2, I would say K2 Skate does not have its own manufacturing facility, um, injection molding facility, but we are not always shopping around. Um, you know, we kind of build relationships with our vendors. Um, and you know, there's some vendors that know how to make skate components really well. It's not the kind of thing, it's complex enough that you just don't want any, tooling or injection molding vendor to go do um having background and history is is always valuable um in terms of countries i mean these are this is completely public information you know it says on all our skates where things are made but um you know we make them in if you go on to the really old skates those are made in korea um, you know, the past five years since I've been involved, we've made it in Thailand and China and Vietnam. Um, yeah. Okay. This is getting really nerdy. I love it. <laughs> when making metal hardware, bolts, spacers, etc., what quantities are these made in and what process is used? Forging? Casting? So, um, press forging, we do, we do casting, we do CNC, you know, which is machining, um, you know, specifically for like, um, the racing one-sided bolts, those are made individually. Um, quantities, I don't know, it just depends how many you guys buy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so all those processes, we, we make hardware in, with, that uh the new the eight millimeter hardware how so the how did you mm-hmm. go about making those or coming up with the idea for those like the locking mechanism or oh just the little nubs yeah <laughs> there's nothing to it, <laughs> it just... no but it, it's a cool idea and uh because at first when you when you see them on the skates it looks like you're gonna have to use two allen keys but i just love that you kept it one LP right. only. It's just such a simple thing that goes such a long way, and it's almost yeah. a, it's a little bit flatter on the one side where you grind mm-hmm. on. So yep. good work. 
Thanks. That's a big one for lots of people. I know. And I, I, you know, not being a, an aggressive skater, I am hard pressed to understand it, but I hear it a lot and I trust that you guys have the best intentions. So there you go. <laughs> and when you get aftermarket frames, you get both sets, apparently, which is amazing. The- um, on the aggressive, yeah, yes, and you get um, not on the R one hundred frames. Those only come with six millimeter spacers and axles, but on the aggressive, eight and six spacers and axles. That's amazing. And if you want to, you, I mean, if you uh, are worried about it on the R one hundred, you could still get a set you could yeah, yeah you could switch it out you just lose the rocker ability yeah. yeah and that's why i like the six me too yeah I don't, I don't know i mean i can make it 10 and i make it make it snapped you know snap for you as well like it, it really just depends on the quality and the treating of the steel yeah um if it's done poorly then it's gonna break so yeah i I don't know. People have choices now, so yeah. have at it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, last one on that is I think a lot of people were skating anti-rocker, possibly, mm-hmm. or freestyle mm-hmm. with 6mm, and that's why things are breaking, so it's another thing to think about. Um, uh, does K2 make its own wheels? If not, nope. who makes them for K2? That's confidential information. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Okay. Next question. It seems like ABEC ratings for bearings are mostly bullshit. Sure, they they define (laughs) bearing tolerances, but they don't seem to be used in any other industry outside of skating in the same way, and they are inconsistent between manufacturers of skate bearings. Is there a better, more standardized rating system we could be using? Well, so this ABEC, this IOQ, I know Rollerblade uses SG. Um, ABAC is an international standard. The thing is that there are a ton of suppliers that I don't think conform to that standard, and that's why it seems like a ton of BS. If everybody did, um, you know, then great. You know, I when I was cleaning out our storage area, I found a whole bunch of ABEC 1 bearings, and those spin well, you know. So it's not just the rating. Also, like, I looked back at, like, real old test data that we had, and we would, like, do, like, microanalysis to make sure that each ball, how round each ball bearing, each ball was in the bearing, you know, and when they, you know, explode the the image, like, it's just some of the balls were just like blobs, you know, like, and kind of like shape of a odd-sized bean. <laughs> you know, a lot of it were not round. They're not perfectly round. Yeah. You know, um, then there are different, like, you know, then you have different sorts of lubes, you know, the grease, the oil, um different ways people make the shields you know if they take the effort or if you pay the price right everything comes at a price you know if you pay for a polished shield where there's you where there's less resistance it's all about the resistance right yeah but you know all this can be easily 
be dissipated by like a grain of sand that got stuck in it. Yeah. So guys, keep your bearings clean, all them up, you know. Um, yeah. Just I, I I don't know if we can try to use a standard rating. You know, ABEC is the standard. ILQ was developed by Twin Chem. Um, and I didn't learn this till much later, but like it stands for inline qualified. And um, Twin Cam basically actually took one ball out so that there'll be less friction um, in that in that bearing. Um, so, you know, not a great stable bearing for machinery, but, you know, for inline skates, you know, I'm always, I'm in the camp of, you know, people skating recreationally or maybe aggressive only can go so fast. You know, you don't, your wheels don't spin like machine pace, right? When you have a moto, you know, generating rotation, like it doesn't need to spin that fast. Um, you know, I understand like with racing, there's resistance and you want the minimal amount of resistance, but you know, for your recreational skater, like, I don't think it's a big deal. But a lot of companies play the spec game, you know, like five is higher than three and seven is higher than five. So, yeah, you know, that's part of part of the sales sales pitch. So there might be a placebo effect. I think so. Yeah. And I don't know, K2 might not be happy with me saying that. (laughs) But I out of everything I've tried. Twin Cam Classic, ILQ mm-hmm. Classic with the metal shield on both sides. Yep, is my favorite that I've tried out of all of the bunch. Yeah, so. those are those are solid. They they make good bearings. Um, and then the Seba Storm ones are pretty good too, but I think that's Twin Cam as well. Yeah, uh, I think so. You know, and and funny thing is that there are actually fake bearing not fake bearings but people make imitation bearings oh yeah you know? yeah yeah it's kind of, it, it, with brand names and i know the hyper concrete g's i found imitation versions of those two so you know i mean imitation is a form of flattery right <laughs> how did you so, know that those ones were fake the the hyper you, you you could tell and the rebound when i bounced them off the ground it was like nope oh. <laughs> these are like what you would call bubblegum wheels. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I actually brought one back to Hyper. I'm like, hey, guys. They're like, where do you find this? I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just found it at the store. <laughs> Go figure. So the bounce test is important. Yeah, rebound. Super important. This is the first test we do. Every time we get new wheels, Yeah. once they're cured, like, you know, you test a rebound. Those uh, MPC samples were insane. Um, there are people uh, that got to try. I gave Kazoo four of them, and he's already asking for more. What MPC samples? Um, I got are seven of those to? those super hard ones, those super hard face profile um, aggressive ones. They were like oh. nine, 96. Like you can't even right. – buy wheels like that so mpc yeah. if you're listening you should do um an like a brand or something with 
small runs of those because there are there's hard wheel like every style of wheel is back right now where people want to try everything and hard wheels weren't really a thing for a long time and now there's Mm -hmm. people who are asking like what's the hardest aggressive wheel i could skate on or colin is putting in um in his third wheel like a harder wheel like there's all sorts of weird experiments happening but yeah that's great those ones bounced like crazy those were 96 weren't they I think so. I don't. I don't remember. I only had seven of them, so I kept <laughs> one for myself, gave four, and then gave two. I think I, I lost. Think I lost one. <laughs> Maybe the dogs got one. I don't know. Um, okay. What do we got next? So that was the A back question. So keep your bearings clean, everybody. Yep. Um, what are the biggest manufacturing challenges standing in the way of better skates? Uh, I think we can't, well, I'd say costs. I mean, we've talked about this, you know, a while yeah. back. But um, again, all, there's all the technology out there, you know, that's available. But being able to afford it, or being able to make a boot that is affordable, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for this. That, um. I've been more open to that than than ever the cost thing, because Seba was insane. Like coming out of the gates with uh, their first aggressive skate was so expensive. It was just yeah. such a bold move that they still need, in my mind, like a lower end, almost like their version of a V13 or an M12. Because mm-hmm. it's it's more important now that I'm older to have that option of somebody who's just maybe trying to get back into the sport. Yep maybe doesn't they're not sure if they're gonna like it or not they just want to get something simple that works pretty good yeah and you don't necessarily want to drop like you know four hundred dollars on it and not know if you're gonna be committed oh that's even harder without a skate shop to yeah such a gamble oh yeah it's gonna feel um okay we're almost there (laughs) (laughs) are you still good Yep, yep. Okay. Are we past bedtime? No. Okay. (laughs) Um, What is the typical design cycle like? How long does it last? How many months or weeks are typical of each phase of the process? Um, Typical, I'd say 12. Ideal would be 18. Um... I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's going to take me too long to try to break it down yeah. into like phases. But, you know, I like to have 18, 18 months to kind of get a full cycle through, um, through testing. That's pretty good. That would be amazing if it was always 18 months for every skate. Yeah, sometimes you do it shorter. I think like, you know, with the 2017 versions, those were much shorter because those are just tweaks. Yeah. You know, but when you're doing brand brand new, um, 18 months is a good benchmark to hit. Um, and how many iterations of prototypes are done? Do you make cheaper soft mold tooling first? Um, iterations. Depends how much you screw up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say two to eight. I don't think I've done more than eight per... You know, minimum two, you know, because the first one is never perfect. 
um, and then you do a second. Um, soft mold tooling, like test tooling, not often. Um, I've done that for a few things, like, you know, the big block frame, that's one of those, you know, so if we did throw that into production, I might not, you know, they might not be able to get, like, 100,000 shots out of it, but maybe few, um, fewer, but not too often. I mean, when we go into tooling, we are pretty confident, you know, on, like, how we have the design done. So, yeah, iterate, like, boot, like, for injection molded parts, not many at all. Like, now with 3D printing, we make use of the technology a lot. Uh, you know, so by the time we get to tooling itself, uh, we are pretty much one and done. And is there is there much fine finite element analysis done? Do you? This is getting super nerdy for me, but <laughs> so FBA finite element analysis. Yes, we do that. We have a uh, you know a group of brilliant test engineers at you know at K two. Um, you know FBA is done like it, but it is. Um, you know, it's where we think certain things are going to break and try to induce forces. It's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's all CAD, right? It's all, um, it's all com a computer model. You know, sometimes it's the forces that we apply in the CAD is not um, as accurate as how we see it in the field. But generally, yeah, we do. Every time we have something brand new, we would run an FEA model through it. Um, you know, and then I think his follow-on question was whether we verify instron or low cell style testing. And, you know, I'm proud to say that, like, every skate design, like, for every production batch, you know, we do um, component testing and assembly testing. Sorry, not assembly. Um, component testing and a... Um, assembled, like, we test an assembled skate you know, as a whole on every single design, um, every single component type. Um, you know, we do, there's a DIN standard that we have to meet for like customs purposes to make sure that it meets, you know, a certain requirement if you, you know, if you, um, if you have your toe of the skate hit, you know, at a certain energy level that it's not supposed to break it's supposed to be still skatable like we uh you know in we pass all of those standards and we make it an effort to do testing on production batches for for those tests because i mean you know having being confident you know essentially these are these are um these are toys, but also like uh, tools that could potentially get you injured, right? We want to eliminate all of the possibilities for stupid things to happen um, outside of user error, right? So that's kind of on the manufacturer's um, radar just to make sure that, you know, we meet all these test standards. That's amazing. 
Yeah, and you know, sometimes when I look at like frame tests, like frames that other brands make, and I'm like, I think about the testing that we would have to do on that, that it would take a load of like on one wheel for, you know, 200 kilograms. Like, I'm like, that would break. That shit would break. <laughs> but, and sometimes like people are like, oh, why don't your frames, you know, why can't you make it more sleek or more lean? And I'm like, we have to conform to a standard that we've set for ourselves. Um, you know, as yeah, some are didn't some are din requirements, some are standards that you know K two has set just historically, and we've always designed to that, you know, so that we just so that we have skates that are gonna be pretty bomber. Yeah, when you take the skate out of the box, like if you t- were to like drop it just on the concrete, <laughs> it it just makes that really good sound, like you can. <laughs> You could just whack it against the concrete. It's <laughs> it just feels. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> well, technically, we do when we land certain stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And and anything in like early versions, little things like with the buckle receptor, everything's been improved upon since even before the 2016 ones came out. You did a really yeah. good job of and, little yeah. fixes. Right. And, you know, like when people send stuff back for warranty or if people email us asking for replacement parts, like I do a count, you know, kind of at the end of the year to see where things are and where things need attention. Um, you know, so like feedback's always very valuable, you know, not just to us, but, you know, any brand, right? Feedback's always valuable to, to the to the manufacturer. Yeah, so that kind of leads into how much user testing is done. So it's user testing and testing that you guys do, um, and then and then pooling all of that information kind of works all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a fit test phase where we kind of I'll make um, a, a certain range of sizes and kind of send it out or have in-house testers to do it. And kind of gather feedback um, from them about, you know, about designs, about, like, potential issues. Um, I mean, how much, I guess it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to quantify um, that we, I'd say a new model, we definitely put more hours in, you know, getting more mileage on a repeat or, like, slightly improved. I would say, like, you know, 27 aggressive. I didn't get that much user testing as I did on the 2016, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it snowed here for me. <laughs> so much less skating. Yeah. Um, um, what was going to be next? So, how many man hours or woman hours of engineering time are budgeted for a new skate design? I don't know. However many however many hours there are in eighteen months. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Who who else has um or are there other twenty seventeen skates out there? Like um or they're out out. Yeah, for sale, I believe twenty seventeen? Like locals local has them already. Um, I know 
I know the fitness and um, cross-training models are out. So we've been shipping stuff for months out of the factory. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, after that, I don't know the maze that it has to go through before it can get to a customer's hands. Yeah, for 2017, I had the um, the Front Street sample, which has been amazing, except it didn't have the shallower groove on the base and the, and the shallower frame groove. And then Todd had the the unnatural, which he had to paint black. Right. That yeah. was a previous one, though, right? But didn't you guys get a new one? Yeah, we both got new ones, and then it snowed. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> They feel amazing, and they look amazing. All I can do is just, like, set up skates and look at them. And then, like, <laughs> and my wife sees me, like, roll past the kitchen and then roll past again, and then I might go into the garage for a little bit, and then that's about it. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, well, you know, someone can make something for skating in the snow. Wheels. No, no. Just Direct go- wheels. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just go skiing. Yeah, that too. <laughs> if you have a mountain near you, go ski. Yeah, that's true. Or snowboard. Um, okay. How is material selection accomplished? Do you work with material scientists? I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, yeah, it is, but no, we are them. Uh, we do what we can. I mean, I learn a lot from, you know, we meet up with uh, a ton of material vendors, you know, like DuPont and Akima and Teflon and 3M, um, you know, we meet up with them to learn about their materials and test them out. So, like, they would send us bags of um, resin um, or injection molding, like, pellets so that we can test out. Um, You know, and usually, like, so this is where, like, load cell instron testing comes in very handy, you know, because I don't want to have to make a frame and then put it on a skate and have someone go try it. You know, you you inject the frame and you go test it in the lab, see how it does and make a call on if it's worth getting, you know, spending more human hours on it. Um, you know, so no, we don't have material scientists per se. We have a ton of, not a ton, but we have a handful of people that are, um, good in, in different materials in, at, at K2. So, you know, we tap all that knowledge from people. Um, but yeah, you know, material selection basically comes off like, learning, exploring, going to trade shows, you know, research. Um, we've worked with a couple material scientists. Um, I'd say I've went, usually when there are problems, like, you know, if, like, we had one long time ago, I remember, I think, like, in inspection, like, pre-inspection before, like, parts actually got onto skates, we found out that we had um, axles that weren't as strong as it's supposed to be because we do an inspection, incoming expansion. I'm sorry, we do an incoming inspection at the at the factory, and you know just to make sure that the we keep its quality, and you know if something fails, then we flag it, we quarantine it. You know we um, sometimes if it's int- the, if the failure is interesting. 
then you know take samples and then bring it to like a test lab and try to do like microanalysis on it to figure out what was wrong and how we can make sure it never happens you know so the good thing is that we don't get we make sure that these like these off quality things don't get onto our product but um we yeah we don't in terms of like looking for new materials we don't do a ton of those we we do have like brands you know um coming to coming to us you know no you know they know like hey you know we know you guys are in the snow industry or the ice skate industry um you know we think this material be like cool for you to try so you know this there's some of that holy crap i'm learning a lot (laughs) great this is like skate school skate engineer school um I'll just ask the number seven question just uh, about patents in general. Is there yeah. is there patent trolling in the inline industry and, and who holds the patents? Is it a problem? Um, that kind of anything about patents and inline skating? Yeah, you know, I, I think I don't know. I've not really encountered patent trolling in, in inline skating. Um so, you know, there are, like like I said just now, I think we talked a little bit about patents, but we try to design around a patent if we see something that's good out there, you know. Um, again, people who want to use the HROC patent, hey, like, contact K2 and see if they're cool with it. Um, but, you know, we want to respect what an inventor has done, you know, so we would, we would just design around. I mean, I've, I've seen complete rip-off designs, you know, especially from my snowshoe days, like even today, you know, just complete rip-offs. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's cool. Like, it is what it is. You know, I'm flattered by it, right? I gl- I'm glad that they thought it was good enough for them to rip off. Um, and it, it's just funny because like, I think in snowshoes, there was a design that I did for a crampon. And all I did really was like copy a shape of the spoon that I was eating lunch with. <laughs> and like someone just copied that. I'm like, great, it works. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a name for the spoon design? Uh, I think on snowshoes, that was like the, I think it was an anaconda crampon, I want to say. Right, we were all into the snake names with snowshoes at <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to find like it's still it's still on product right now, but I'm not sure on what model. What brand? Um, Tubs, Tubs snowshoes. Oh, okay, everybody look out for that spoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, how much focus is placed on aesthetics compared to functionality when designing skates? Function first. I mean, it's it's all about that, right? You have to make it work and then make it look pretty. Um, yeah, that's always the priority. If we can combine the two, awesome. Um, but it's always it's always function function over aesthetics. Excellent. Um, I think you've already answered this, but. Uh, if you have anything extra to add, what are the biggest hurdles keeping skate designers from making better products? Yeah, yeah, people, money, sales. People buy more stuff, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's 
pretty insane to think about like what could happen to skate design if inline skating just took off and everybody started buying rec skates again. The yeah, well, it's not even that, but you think about the how people swap out their skis, you know. Like, if you go skiing, say, every other weekend, you know, you probably buy a new pair of skis every few years, you know. But I, when, you know, at K2, I would see warranty of skates from 2000. And I'm like, dear God, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like about time for you to buy a new pair. Uh, the the shop outside of shop task or the sign outside of uh, shop task in Vancouver right now just says yeah but have you tried good skates <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know and people I mean I, you know I admit like you know K two makes um, low cost skates to fulfill an, uh, a need in the recreational market and you know a pair of skates like would go for a couple tanks of gas. And yeah. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, there has to be, you know, so we try our, like, and, you know, people want it even cheaper, and I'm like, no, I can't. I can't make it. I can, but I won't want to skate in it, and I don't want to make, make something that I would not use myself. Oh, some of the some of the skates that I've seen on the seawall in Vancouver are they're like like bad old skates with rusty bearings and even <laughs> just sometimes like maybe people getting a new buckle or yeah. some wax laces and some better bearings and better wheels like their experience of skating would improve so much. Sometimes it's just like that education on mm-hmm. taking an old pair of skates in and getting someone to look at them and be like, I can make these work a little bit better for you. Yeah, just a tune, you know, a tune up, right? Just like how they do on bikes. Yeah. You, know, you get a bike tune up, like oh, you should be able to get a skate tune up. Definitely. And that uh, I think there's a there's a question near the end here about shops. Maybe we'll get into that. Um, okay. How many mechanical engineers does K2 employ? Uh, just Emmys, maybe fif- 15. We've got Emmys and we've got test engineers. We've got machinists and techs. Um, the whole K2, yeah. With all those other guys, maybe 25. I don't know. I've never thought of counting. And then um, are there mechanical engineers that focus on design and others that focus on manufacturing? Or No. <laughs> it's all one-stop shop. Yep. Everything. The good thing is that there's cohesiveness, right? There's no, like, communication issues and so on because it's between my right hand and left hand, my right ear and left ear. Um, you know, but it's a ton of work and it limits how much we can do. Um, like I said, like, you know, we have, we have colleagues in each of our factories and in Korea that help out with manufacturing. Um, but not those, those guys don't just do skates. They do, um, other product as well. Um, and then you kind of answered the one about, uh, other engineering staffs in other departments for snowboard bindings and ski boots. It's about, it's the same kind of between different departments or is yeah. that? Okay. I'd say so. Um, maybe skate has one, and then ski <laughs> boot have two or three. Yeah, pretty much. 
<laughs> like, I, no, well, when I started skate, when I started with skate, it was me. And then they hired someone else, which is awesome because, like, it took, it took, like, a bunch of stuff off my plate. But then he got moved to the ski department and I was just stuck with all the projects again. And then they never replaced him and I kind of just figured how to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) And we all thank you for it. Um, uh, how many mechanical engineers do you think there are in the world working on inline skates? Ooh, I'd say just, I don't know, maybe a dozen. I don't know. Maybe even less <laughs> than that for me. I don't know. Like, have you met any of them or? No, I mean, no. Personally, I, I've seen a few of them, like, you know, um, just at trade shows. I've not met not met any of them i've you know kind of and you know this i've my past six years doing skates i've you know kept a low profile on purpose yeah um you know so so now it's kind of like okay i'm done i'm i'm okay talking about it um yeah so i think maybe a handful i'm guessing like some of the like places like power slide they have more than one you know they because just just because they do so much development. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like a dozen is a good number. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And compared to other industries, it's probably tiny. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think there could be some garage people emerging, but I mean, just talking to you, the, all of the components that need to work together for a good skate, it's pretty insane. So we'll see probably more frame designers and maybe people who get into specific parts like wheels or frames, but yeah, like boot yeah. manufacturers, that's a whole other thing. I feel like wheels, frames, bearings can be components on its own. And then if you did a hard boot and a liner, those two could be separate. But, yeah. you know, right now at least K2 doesn't play in that. K2 doesn't play in that feel, um, you know, and, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I really hope that, you know, people make stuff and, you know, try it out. Like, I, it's, it's always encouraging to see. Yeah, it's happening most since almost the, beginning of skating it kind of has that original mm-hmm. feel of 1993 or 94 people making stuff um right i don't know if you have to answer this one how does compensation for a sporting goods engineer compare to peer in other industries uh, aerospace or consumer electronics oh you can't compare it <laughs> how do you comp- how do you put a dollar value on passion and love for the industry i don't know no you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a sexy industry, right? Sporting goods. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and it's not gonna be like what you get in aerospace or in tech, you know, or software or hardware or electronics. Um, I don't, you know, even in like soft goods and clothing, like yeah, it's. It's 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 a passion, it's a passion industry. And 
what advice would you give an engineer interested in working on sporting goods like inline skates? I'd say just try to contact these brands you know that you're interested to work with if you know not through engineering like start out with marketing be an ambassador you know i think a lot of brands do that um you know just to try to get you know their products out that's that's a good start i mean i've seen you know k2 started the ambassador program a couple couple years ago and you know with some of them i'm like man i wish you know they worked at k2 just like the passion is there the interest is there um yeah you know just just be in touch be in touch with you know the brands that you're interested with on on the on the industries that you're interested in yeah that's how i i got in touch with you because i pestered mike powell all the time (laughs) Yeah, and then like we find we found out I I found out about you guys and I'm like, hey Mike, do you happen to know um, the mushroom lading guys? She's like, yeah, I'm great friends with them. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> I I'm in my email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hoping to get him on the podcast eventually, but um, do it. <laughs> Mike, I know. Do it. I know, and he can. He has his own podcast. Yes, yeah. and I'm going to plug his podcast, The Power Movement. Guys, go download and subscribe to yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. And he does one for Powder called Sponsored. Both are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping he gets uh, Haffy on um, Power Movement eventually. That would be really that would be That would be amazing. Um, so three questions left. This is a big one. Why did you leave the industry? Oh, first job, you know. I like 11 years at my first company, I wasn't going to be staying there. You know, I told myself, like, either 10 years or when I hit, like, the million mile club on my, on my frequent flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I, right, actually, right now, I'm, uh, I'm close to a million miles, actually, on United, which is kind of terrible to that, th- when you think about it. That's insane. Yeah, um, that's a ton of miles. Um, you know, I, I just needed a change, you know, change of industry. And, um, you know, if I was going to move to a new industry, like now is the time to do it. You know, so I chose to go into into the tech tech industry, you know, where um, it's different. It's not as sexy, but it's just as important to, you know, how the world works and how how things yeah so um i it was difficult it was a difficult decision to make but i you know for my own sake i kind of had to do it 11 years is pretty goddamn solid for your first job so yeah right that's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, i have so much catching up to do with a lot of people when like they switch jobs every couple of years i'm like okay i need to do it soon <laughs> yeah and uh Again, thank you for your work on uh, on aggressive and yeah, uh, let people enjoy it. Stuff. That's what's important. Yeah, people are gonna be really stoked about the stuff coming out, and they're gonna still be bugging me about the big block frame. I'm sure <laughs> when they see me skating. Um, industry questions. These are the last couple. Um, All right. 
So do you think aggressive skate shops are helping or hurting the industry overall, given most aggressive product is sold online with no opportunity to try things on skates could be sold at close to half their current price if skates were sold directly from manufacturers to consumers, cutting the shops out of the loop. I believe Adapt sells direct only, for example. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I'm not your sales manager. Um, but even if skates were sold directly from companies, like all it really just means is that they either earn more or reinvest more into the company. Right. So I don't think prices are cheaper just because they sell direct. Um, but they, you know, they can, they have, you know, more, more capital now to, to spend on, on other things. But, you know, I, I love the brick and mortar stores, you know, and you guys out there who keep, keep doing it, like, you know, hats off. Um, I think it's it's always good. If anything, it's it it's for the for, it's for the community, you know. So um, and having to try on skates, like I know in Europe when we do like skate nights and when we have when K two has a tent there, you know, people are allowed to try on different skates. Sometimes people come in with re- requests, you know, they're like, oh, I you know I saw this VO two one hundred, can I try it? You know, and if we have uh, a pair in the demo van, like, you know, yeah, sure. Because they don't get a chance to try it anywhere else. So um, I think having shops is good. Um, It is a difficult position to be in. I completely see that as well. You know, and when it's just a website without having a storefront and just having, you know, you just have warehouse space, that's a lot cheaper. Um, but you know, we couldn't do a lot of what we do if there were no stores around. Yeah, I, I agree that hats off to the people doing it, that it's amazing that, um, we even have as many as we do, especially anybody who's doing like more aggressive straight up. That's crazy. Um, and then what uh, Jason Leventhal is doing with J Skis is blazing new trails, but it doesn't seem mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's easy. I don't. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's you know starting up your own business and trying to make stuff off your garage. Like it's a ton of work, you know. And again, it's a it's a passion industry. You do it because you love it, not because it's gonna be, you know it's not gonna it's not because it's gonna make you rich. Yeah. And shit, you can only sell those goddamn things. It's only use them like four or five months out of the year. Skates, I, at least you can use a little bit more. Yeah. Um, lastly, there's much talk in the aggressive industry about what we should do to keep it alive. Is that something we need to worry about and actively pursue? If so, what action is needed? Thanks for doing the podcast and answering any of this long list of questions. Yeah, um, you know, for sure. The you know, um, we having visibility, right, is really important. Like we talk about, you know, the Nitro Games and you know having exposure. Um, you know, so Nitro Games is great. That's a start. Um, you know, I hope 
somehow. And you know, actually, it's kind of cool. You've been seeing more skating in ads. Like, I believe there was a Ford, at least here in the US, there was a Ford advertisement um, where they were inline skaters. I think they call it rollerblading too, which I was pissed about. I almost threw my phone at the TV. Um, but then I didn't want to break my phone nor my TV. Um, but yeah, just visibility, you know, whether it's like advertisement, whether it's competition. Um, not so much that trashy bike movie from like what two years ago, from what's the I forget what that that was it actually a movie I don't know I saw the trade like the trailer went around the Whistler bike thing. Oh um oh yeah yeah the sickest so- edit ever. No yeah yeah. You know, not so much so that, but, you know, <laughs> we still have, like, the stigma to, like, totally. overcome. Yeah. Um, you know, but, yeah, exposure. And I don't think it's just the aggressive industry that needs it. I think the whole inline industry needs it. You know, like I said, aggressive skating is the most entertaining form of skating for spectators, for people seeing it. So that might be what draws people in, you know, Um so having more visibility, go out, go skate, you know, get your kids to go skate with you if that's what you did in the past. Like, we need more people out there. And I think, um, strangely enough, YouTube is another powerful one. Nope. Exactly. Um, there's people that are starting to do vlogs and, and things like that. And there's like, yeah. um, channels like that uh bill stoppard's channel mm-hmm. in- that's that that's those are those things are fun to watch i i very seldom watch youtube videos because i have no patience for like videos to load <laughs> but sometimes i kind of leave it on the background and like once it starts playing i flip back onto it and uh, you know those are pretty entertaining and like i i hope he gets to try a pair of our skates oh yeah yeah he might the soto might be interesting yeah, him. I think that that would be a right that would be the right model for him to try. Yeah, and um, yeah. It, there's a lot of people who follow him in his channel that either get into skating or get back into skating, and that's their first entry point. And it's Sweet. such yeah. a unique style of skating, and it's it is it is it doesn't it's not really categorized at all. I guess it's free skating, but um, it's free skating, but with a hint of um risk <laughs> i don't know how to put it nicely <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's scary what he does like you know sometimes i'm like yeah people don't try this i'll try this at your own risk like safety first yeah the the traffic stuff and mm-hmm. uh, yeah city skating i guess dangerous city skating yeah which is a whole thing that that um that style of greg merzoyan also is really good at that style of skating yeah, you know, but you can't just, you know, if you're new to it and not good, like, it's scary. Like, the first time I skated on the streets of London, and, like, you know, they would have, like, I think Friday night skates, but during the winter months, they call it a suicide skate. Um, you know, so it's, like, a very small group that goes out and, like, weaving through in and out traffic and, you know, hearing screeching brakes. I think that's what scares me the most. It's, like, hearing... Hearing brakes screeching like that, I'm like, okay, you know, I feel like I'm doing, 
I'm maneuvering okay, but when I see like a driver panic, that's when I panic in reaction to that. That's but like, yeah, that was like the first time I went, I was like scared shitless. I'm like, okay, I don't know how many more times are we doing this. That's amazing that you went skating in traffic. It was this called yeah. the suicide skate. Yeah, I I think during the winter time it's just a smaller group. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know what the group's called, like, their actual name, but, you know, I think they do an Easter, they do an Easter bunny skate or a Santa, Christmas Santa skate, which is kind of cool. I got to experience that eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we got through all of it. We did. And <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast, so. <laughs> a little over two hours, but there's a lot for, uh, there's a lot of nerdy stuff. There's a lot of everything. And um, I also, I forgot to say, I'm sorry, your uh, football team lost. I know. I kind of, ex- we can never beat the Patriots. I don't know. This is, yeah. Someone always has to take them out for us. But, uh, yeah. Well, goes to us anyway. But you, you got to do this after. And hopefully I did. that was more fun than your team losing. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, well, thanks for the opportunity. You know, I'm kind of excited that now I'm no longer in the industry, like being able to talk freely and open about it. Um, you know, and I hope people try these skates out, you know, otherwise go out, go skate, have fun. Excellent words, last words from Rachel. And, um, we won't promote your social media handles. (laughs) They'll find it if they wanted to, if they cared enough. (laughs) And they can leave comments in in this for the podcast. So, yeah, you can answer in there if they're not too annoying. Okay. Thank you, Rachel, for doing this. Thank you. Have an excellent night. You too. Later. Bye.